And after a decade, we've now come up with what we've couched as a business model for the connection economy. We've called it intelligent content marketing. Hello, I'm Stephen Vines, co-founder of the Hong Kong Visa Center and the podcast discussions of this section of the Monopoly Tribe website are really designed to give you a flavor of the Monopoly Planner material and the whole sort of architecture and framework behind intelligent content marketing laid out in a way that's a little bit different from the way that you've encountered it so far. And uh, it just gives you an alternate means of consuming what is, you know, quite detailed information, but are layers upon layers of ideas that after a while begin to sort of cohese into some kind of body of information that you can think about intuitively and begin to apply as you design your own business model for the connection economy. So uh, a little bit about me that you may not have picked up from your exposure to our content so far is that I was born in the United Kingdom in 1962. I'm now a a joint Australian-British national, having become an Australian national seven years ago, having lived in Australia for 20 years. Married with two children, both are now adults, two daughters, all in Australia, all thriving and doing well. And so my story is a case of sort of not quite rags to riches, uh, back to rags coming up to riches again, but sort of generally following that plot. So as a 17-year-old, I left my hometown of Blackburn, Lancashire in the United Kingdom, having spent the first 17 years of my life in a typical working-class environment, single-parent family. Left high school uh, at the age of 16 with no qualifications, worked for a builder's merchant for one year. Uh, In that time, gained two promotions, learned two very valuable skill sets, and then took an opportunity to be made redundant, to provide me with some cash to put a backpack on and go travel the world, which I did in 1980. And essentially, except for four years, um, when I went back temporarily to complete my legal education, I have essentially never lived in the United Kingdom since that time. So it's been a long time since 1980. And now I live in Hong Kong. So after I left home when I was 17, I traveled the world. I took in places like Israel and Canada. I spent a couple of years on the kibbutz, in actual fact, in Israel. Spent a year or so driving a tractor and working door-to-door selling encyclopedias in Western Australia before I eventually moved there some 20 years ago. But just back then, I was a backpacker and got my love for Australia during the time that I spent in that one year driving a tractor and, and traipsing from street to street in the hot Australian summer selling, or at least trying to sell encyclopedias and never having been able to sell a single one. Then I ended up in Japan for three and a half years where I worked for the Berlitz School of Languages and took that time to fund my education and get down on one knee and propose to my darling wife, Yuka. So that in 1987, we got married. I moved from Japan to Hong Kong where she was working. I had my money for my legal education because I decided I was going to be a lawyer by then. And uh, I set about getting into law school. So I got into law school in 1989, graduated from the London School of Economics in 1992, completed the UK Solicitor's Final Examination. That's actually England and Wales Solicitor's Final Examination uh, in 1993. And that 
qualified me for admission as a solicitor, but I came back to Hong Kong full time and started my own legal consultancy, which after a couple of years, I morphed into a, a dedicated immigration practice and then learned the first and most important lesson I had, I should say, in my career. And that is that you can put all of your IP and knowledge and know-how on the internet for free and you can make a lot of money out of doing that as a result of the relationships that you create. So I discovered that between 1994 and 2000, where I made sufficient money to then foolishly put it into other ventures that by the time the decade 2000 and 2010 had played itself out, I was facing almost bankruptcy in Australia and I needed to start again. So in 2011, my business partner, Martin, and I essentially went out into the internet to replicate the success that we had founded originally by having put all our content and our IP and knowledge and know-how away for free on the web between 96 and 2000, replicating that essential underlying Peter Thiel notion that as a connection economy entrepreneur, what is the one thing that you know to be true that nobody would ever agree with you on? We came to understand that in professional services, that's the power of free. And so between 2011 and today, we have incrementally leveraged and built upon what we have couched the power of free by understanding how the modern internet works, recognizing that we're moving from an industrial economy to a connection economy, and that having consumed all of the knowledge and know-how of my, what I've couched intellectual heroes, who are Don Tapscott, Kevin Kelly, Charlie Munger, Seth Golden, Clay Christensen, Jordan Peterson, actually the list goes on, but that notwithstanding, they have all thought about things that represent dimensions to the modern connection economy and the power of the internet and how disruptive innovation brings about new opportunities. So we've put all of those ideas together and we've incrementally implemented them into our own business model with the Hong Kong Visa Center. And after a decade, we've now come up with what we've couched as a business model for the connection economy, we've called it intelligent content marketing. And the essence of intelligent content marketing is firstly tell your story, that's your personal story and your business story. Um, you position yourself to leverage your expertise to answer questions and help solve problems. And then ultimately you sell jobs to be done. That's the essence of intelligent content marketing. You leverage the power of free. You use the tribe that you generate to produce content that helps them answer their questions and helps them solve their problems. And in that way, you map the knowledge graph and go on to dominate search. And in this business model, you are going to end up with a monopoly over time if you develop your niche down to the uh, micro level where you know that you can truly dominate it and have a way to turn your market domination into real cash for the way that you've disaggregated and reaggregated service value. And that creates the monopoly dimensions that are reflected in our movie, How to Build a Monopoly from Nothing with No Money Invested. And so this material is a podcast discussion between my best friend, Jason Black and I, 
as two colleagues and two good friends discuss all of the ideas that go to make up intelligent content marketing and how um, I discovered the uh, underlying precepts from you know the thinking of my intellectual heroes recognizing that intelligent content marketing is built on the shoulders of giants and the material it comes to life in a way that you might not be able to get if you've worked your way through 39,000 feet or the Monopoly Planner and you're following you know, the applied knowledge and know-how in the context of the live case studies through our case study section of the Monopoly Tribe uh, section of the Intelligent Content Marketing website. So... The, this is another way to uh, learn more about the underlying ideas uh, that go to make up intelligent content marketing, presented in a fresh and interesting way that will allow you to consume it on the go. So, come inside. Welcome to Digital Bacon FM and Mr. Jason Black, my good friend and co-creator. You're listening to Digital Bacon FM. Coming up for the top of the hour here on the Weekday Brunch with me, Jason Black. It's Friday and Friday at 10 o'clock is always a special day because we have the man, the man with the brain that knows more about marketing than other people with brains. Good morning, Mr. Barnes. Hello, Jason. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. And yourself? I'm all good, thank you. Right. Into it then. Uh, yes, indeed. Well, uh, you know, the world is a very interesting place these uh, these days. Uh Things have changed considerably over the last 15 or 20 years. And um, the way that uh, consumers are ready to be communicated to is very different from the way that businesses are actually ready to communicate to them. Uh, We're moving from uh, what was an industrial economy to a connection economy. And uh, with the uh, the adjustment in uh, in how we are um, being communicated to, the, uh, the marketing game has changed too, but I'm not quite sure that uh, many businesses realize that yet. And uh, wh- why, what do you think is holding them back? Are they afraid of change or they don't believe that change is coming and much quicker than they're expecting? Well, if you look at the way that the industrial economy has been organized, right, it's been sort of, it's taken the form that it took for, what, let's say 80, 90 years and uh, cumulatively sort of maybe decade after decade, things changed with the the way that technology adjusted and the way that we were um, ready to be communicated to. Uh, and we've now arrived at the point where most businesses are just in a groove and that groove has always worked for them. Uh, and that groove uh, has now taken a, a few devi- deviations. And uh, most businesses today that are doing the same stuff that they've always done, but they're not getting the results that they used to get. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, there, there lies the problem. And when you talk about a, a connection economy, what do you mean? Okay, well, you know, it used to be that um, uh, the way that uh, economies, first world uh, capitalist economies were organized, it was a question of top-down control and making things, making stuff for people um, and having people make those things and having the organizations that um, made those things staffed with people who were basically uh, interchangeable. It was about pushing stuff out of the factory uh, and then advertising that stuff to reach um, the masses, uh, average stuff for average people. 
people, as one of my intellectual heroes, Seth Godin, says. Mm. Um, but that's all changed now because we are all uh, part of a, a bigger sort of collective, and that bigger collective is not an audience as such. It's a, a potential tribe. Uh, and when you are being communicated to via modern communication means these days, social media and the like, um, you're not feeling that you're part of a wider audience. You're feeling that you're part of uh, a communication that's going on with somebody else or some other party that you essentially can have some kind of relationship with. Um, and when you're communicating with people uh, on the basis of um, trying to make connections with them, then uh, it's a, a very different dynamic it used to be the four p's of marketing well it's no longer the four p's of marketing it's now all about exchange of value it's all about commanding people's attention it's all about doing things uh, in a way that uh, delivers value to uh, the party that you want to have a relationship with because they've got some sort of um answer they've got some sort of question that they need answering or some problem that they need solving or as claire christensen from harvard business school says they've got a job to be done and uh, uh, most businesses that are producing goods and services today are not thinking about the jobs to be done that uh, people have uh, they're just thinking about pushing their stuff down at them and uh, and trying to persuade them that what they've got is uh, is the right thing for the job now you you mentioned seth godin and he's one of your intellectual heroes of four um, why did you those, uh, uh, choose those particular four and what have they brought to uh, the way that you run your businesses now? Well, it's not really a question of me having sort of chosen them. It's a question of having done seven, eight years worth of reading and research via the web and sort of trying to figure out how the Internet really works, what it's all about, what this connection economy thing is. Um, and uh, I settled on really four major streams of, of ideas that were coming from Seth Godin on the one hand, Charlie Munger on the other, Kevin Kelly uh, and Don, Don Tapscott. Um, having consumed as much material uh, about how the Internet works uh, in the way that I did, it, it became apparent to me that there were um, uh, some, some sort of general trends that you needed to get your head around. Uh, and those general trends are all articulated from those four, those four gentlemen. Um, and on the basis of that, I was then sort of able to uh, put together a business model that uh, incorporates those ideas and, uh, and anticipates the dynamics of the connection economy, uh, where ultimately what you're doing is you're answering people's questions, you're helping to solve problems, and you're telling your own stories so that the parties that you want to communicate with can really understand what you are all about so that they can have a relationship with you based on authenticity, based on trust and based on, you know, the fact that we're all human beings and we're all, uh, we've all got our vulnerabilities. Uh, so if you tell your story, both your personal story and your business story, communicating with people makes it uh, uh, sort of very easy to uh, get over the bridge of trust and uh, and, and thereby uh, if you've answered questions and helped solve problems you're able to discern the two types of people that are out there They're those that want to pay for uh, the solution that you've got to the problem those people that don't want to pay for the solution that you got to the problem well I've, I've found that fascinating about your business model because I was I was one of your clients and uh, you provided an outstanding service for me. And you used that same line on me over dinner one. There are two kinds of people in the world, those who pay and those who aren't. And Jason, you're one of the ones who like to pay. Um, and I'll never forget that. And the other thing that I will never, ever forget was trying to get my head around the concept that you have of the power of free. Now, I know you've done a lot of um, videos and interviews um, and had, you know, 
pieces in Forbes magazine and Incorporated magazine and, and magazines like that where you talk about power of free. Um, that goes contrary to um, the old economy, I would say, where you never gave anything away. So how do you run a business that's very profitable when you're bloody giving when you're giving everything away? Mm, yeah, um, the, 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 main, the, the main thing to consider is that with uh, the connection economy you and the digital economy, uh, because it costs, it costs nothing ultimately to provide information and to reach out to 7.2 billion people uh, on the, in the world via the Internet. Essentially, because, because you know, the marginal cost of, 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 of educating people and delivering your um, your information to people that helps them answer questions and solve problems is zero, then the only thing that has got any value in the connection economy is people's attention. Mm. And therefore, you know, because you've got to command people's attention, the only way that you can command their attention is by giving them what they need for free. And then you've got to understand that when you're giving them what they need for free, um, the connection economy gives you an opportunity to, to disaggregate and reaggregate value. Uh, and that then discerns those two types of people that I keep talking about, those mm. that want to pay and those that don't want to pay. So those that don't want to pay in the industrial economy used to be a liability. Um, but in the connection economy, those who don't want to pay, they're, they're, if you've done your communications properly and you've helped them um, achieve their goals, objectives, and, uh, and get them where they want to go that um, has sort of warranted them giving you their attention in the first place, they then, in a sense, become your unpaid advocates. They're the ones that are, um, you know, talking about you, that are that retweeting your stuff, that are uh, telling their friends that are just, you know, in a sense, sort of completely surprised by the fact that there's there's a, there's a business out there that, that's designed to give them everything that they need to help them solve their problems for free. So those people uh, become, as I say, your, your army of unpaid advocates. And then because there are those people that do want to pay, like you did, and God bless you, <laughs> sir, and I appreciate that. And Merry Christmas to you, all those for Happy all that New time. Year. To you too, sir. Uh, those people that do want to pay, um, they're the ones that, uh, that that help you drive your business. So, so that's where the power of free comes in. You've got you've, today when uh, when the only thing that's got any value in the connection economy is people's attention. Um, you've got to try and get what you have to offer uh, into their hands, and and if you try and put any sort of money in their way on uh, route to having a relationship with them, then then in a sense you're shooting yourself in the foot because you're putting barriers to entry to having that relationship with them. And that's why the power of free is, you know, powerful. Um, and is there any danger of um, those who do get um, things for free being such good advocates that other people also want to get it for free and they've proved that it works, therefore they don't need to pay you? Um, well, it depends what you're selling, right? And when you disaggregate and reaggregate value, uh, what what we what we what I understood a long time ago is in the immigration business, which is you know my uh, my expertise, uh, my Hong Kong visa um, business is my core business. Um, what people are paying for is not like a visa label in a passport. They're not buying uh, avoidance of queues at the immigration. Immigration department. What they're really paying for is peace of mind. Mm. When 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 somebody instructs us to get uh, a visa solution to them, you know we're able to say to them, yes, we can get this visa for you. Oh, and by the way, if you don't get your visa and you've paid us your good money to it to to get your visa, then we'll give you double your money back. So we reverse the risk. 
Okay. Uh, and it's the it's this it's this idea that you are um, essentially selling peace of mind that dis, 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 uh, separates you from um, well a from everybody else and b from this 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 idea that um, uh, when you're making uh, your proposition available to people, uh, even though they can take all your IP and all your knowledge and all your know-how and, and you, all your um, all your material that you've propagated via the web and all the kits and everything else that goes with that to allow them to do it for themselves for free um, they can't acquire the peace of mind knowing that Hong Kong is immigration expert saying to him yes I'll give you a double money back guarantee if you you don't get approved because ultimately it's peace of mind that they're paying for they're not buying anything else so you you remove the risk or every risk of lo- losing a single cent if it doesn't work uh, yeah, but most importantly, uh, I mean that, that's just belt and braces, really. That's the uh, the slam dunk, so to speak, to get people to to actually part with their money. Um, it's really all about this idea that uh, if you give, uh, if you say, if I say as an expert that I'm going to get your visa, uh, then then that means they can achieve their goals, their dreams, their objectives for Hong Kong, and uh, and that's ultimately what they're paying for. Okay. Um, what I'd like to do is to keep um, you on the line, have a little bit of a chat. Um, after the song stay tuned there's plenty more plenty more plenty more digital bacon fm we're chatting to stephen barnes all the way in australia we're talking about marketing and his journey in going from the industrial economy to the connection stephen you've moved on somewhat in um direction from um your 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 visa business not not that you've moved away from that um you've created something called intelligent content dot marketing tell us a little bit about that yeah well uh with all the lessons that i've learned from my intellectual heroes and the application of those of their ideas into my business model you know i've learned a great deal about how uh, the modern internet works um now in the final analysis, when you become, as I've called it, an intelligent content marketeer, what you ultimately become is a publisher. Now, the market for Hong Kong immigration uh, services is uh, its a great market. It's worth, believe it or not, about 100 million US dollars a year in terms of total value of services that could be sold into that marketplace. The total addressable market is much lower. I'd say about 15 million US dollars a year, but uh, it's a market that's quite restricted. Um, and reaching, you know, that marketplace uh, takes as much effort uh, as it would take to reach a market of potentially, you know, um, instead of 27,000 people a year, which is the Hong Kong Immigration Services space, perhaps 100 million people around the world would be interested in uh, the sort of the ideas and the precepts behind intelligent content marketing. So what I did over the last two or three years is incrementally I've captured all of the knowledge and know-how that goes into intelligent content marketing through a collection of videos that um, I've shot uh, and talks that I've given. uh, And I've encompassed them all into a new website called intelligentcontent.marketing. And on there, uh, basically, is all the IP, all the knowledge, all the know-how that goes uh, towards essentially taking uh, a connection economy business uh, and then reconfiguring it in such a way so that you can operate and communicate in the connection economy. Uh, And uh, following the the adage of the power of free, I'm giving all of that away for free because, as I've said, um, in the connection economy, it's people's attention that uh, that, that drives value these days. Uh, and that's where intelligent content.marketing comes in. So, so that IP that you've created is something that 
anybody could apply to their own particular business, not necessarily a services-related businesses like yours, which is a legal practice at the same time? Well, it, well, it depends, right? I mean, there, there, there are some businesses that uh, that you can apply this knowledge to and there's some businesses it's not practical to. I mean, if you sell furniture in a shop, then, you know, intelligent content marketing is probably not going to work for you because retail is retail is retail, right? Mm. But if you are, um, you know, selling selling marketing services, for example, if you're selling any kind of professional service, if, you, if you're selling something that allows you to share knowledge and, knowledge and expertise uh, and as a result of uh, sharing that knowledge and expertise, you've got something that you can sell at the back end, then intelligent content marketing is for you. So, for example, um, just a, a, a simple sort of topic example in the last few months i've gone through a bit of a sort of a metamorphosis personally into um you know getting very fit i turned 55 uh, at the end of last year and i wanted to you know be as fit as i can for you know the latter part of my years um and uh there are some very clever people who are in the uh, sort of fitness space that uh, are using content and and the ideas of intelligent content marketing without really sort of understanding possibly that they are using intelligent content marketing precepts. Uh, they're, they're using very high quality content to help people sort of answer questions, solve problems, help them achieve their goals. Um, and then they're selling stuff on the back end, like, um, you know, for example, uh, supplements to help you achieve your health goals. Mm-hmm. So there's, there, there, are, there, there, there are wide swathes of today's economy that would allow you to apply the intelligent content marketing idea to the way that you operate uh, and then uh, as I say disaggregate and reaggregate value and therefore it make great progress and and the, the, the really exciting thing about intelligent content marketing is that you can um, you can steal a march on all the industrial economy, um, incumbents who have, you know, secured significant market share in their spaces down the years, uh, and because they're continuing to do what they do in the way that they've always done it, they just think that the connection economy is just sort of, you know, what they've always is. The, they think the connection economy is the industrial economy with, with smartphones, but that's not the case at all. So, yeah, certainly you can um, you can look at any particular niche. Uh, and then you can say, you know, who are the strong content competitors on the Internet? Uh, and if those niches don't have a strong content competitor, whether that's a global competitor, whether it's a regional competitor, whether it's just a competitor in your neighborhood or in your city, uh, if you come up with high quality content that helps people answer questions and help them solve problems and helps them achieve their goals, you tell your story, both your personal story and your business story, um, and then deliver material that uh, allows them as i say to uh, to 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 get back value out of that you can create relationships and if you know what you sell uh, as we sell peace of mind uh, and with intelligent content marketing you know we're basically selling the ability to transition if you know what it is that you sell then um, you, you know you're on your way to, uh, to 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 make great strides and steal uh, the thunder of your competitors well I would have said that your business, in that you're a lawyer, would be a traditional bricks and mortar kind of operation that relied on a one-on-one with with a huge element of trust. But you've managed to disrupt the visa space in Hong Kong in a very big way. Um, Do you think this has come as a wake-up call to your biggest competitors? Great question. The reality is no. Um, and, and the reason for that is because if you have been operating in the industrial economy model for 30, 40 years and you've built up an organization, uh, as most of my, my major competitors in, in immigration in Hong Kong have been, if 
if if you've built up an organization that that is wired a particular way, it's like the proverbial oil tanker, right? You know, by the time you know you have to turn an oil tanker, uh, many kilometers have uh, have passed before you've been able to actually steer the ship around. The uh, the dynamics of 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 incumbency very often preclude organizations from actually being able to adjust the way that they operate. So they look at you and they, they say to themselves, ah, okay, well, that's interesting. Well, that's novel. Uh, it may or may not last, but we don't need to worry about them because they're not actually taking you know, any market share from us at this point in time. But what they don't understand is that over time, if you continue to publish, you know, you begin to map the knowledge graph, you begin to dominate search, um, you then redefine the way that uh, a particular service is delivered and the certain expectations in the marketplace of how that service is going to be uh, is going to be supplied. All of that changes. So by the time, you know, your major competitors have woken up to uh, to what you're up to, it's too late and, uh, mm. and, and they have to seed the ground. You know, I was I was chatting to one of my mates over the weekend and we were talking um, about another uh, a big music retail chain over here. And earlier on, I was bemoaning a, a small piece of a, um, like a record cleaner that I bought from their competitor. You know, I wonder if 10 or 15 years ago, they would have said, uh, no, there's nothing that can come and come along and uproot us. But if you have a look at Spotify, iTunes, all of the stuff that you can now buy online, you don't walk into a traditional shop and buy a CD, not like you used to. Um, it's the same with when, when was the last time you had a, a, a film developed? Um, where, where did it all go? Well, yeah. Well, exactly, exactly, Jason. And, you know, HMV, right? HMV uh, is the classic uh, example of disruption. 30 years ago, HMV had the perfect business model. Uh, they sold they, they sold music that was, um, uh, you know, uh, distributed via shops. It was distributed in a format. If you broke it or you lost it or you lent it to somebody else, you had to repurchase it. Um, when it was just, uh, when the music was played via radios, they got paid for every time the thing was played. Um, you know, it, essentially, it was the perfect business model. And then something came along that just disrupted it. And uh, and the music industry just didn't respond. They couldn't respond. And uh, and, and now you've got uh, a completely new way of consuming music and the way that music is remunerated, right? Spotify, a great example. Mm. You know, it's about subscription uh, and the way that art, artists get paid. And, uh, and then you've got the long tail effect and you just allow consumers to have a much greater choice. And, and it's as Seth Godin says, it used to be, uh, you know, average stuff for average people, but it's no longer average stuff for average people. Now the internet gives you the ability to to deal with uh, with with the outliers and the, and the, and, the, and the middle guys are so they're not, neither here nor there. So uh, so yeah, the, the music industry is a perfect example of uh, of how the connection economy is disrupted in the industrial economy business and 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 yeah, digital photography. Did you know, for example, that um, uh, Kodak actually came up with the very first digital. Uh, uh, camera and uh, they had a digi digital solution but because they were so heavily invested in the film uh, business and the way that, that all of that worked, uh, that they never pursued it because they didn't want to cannibalize their existing revenues and so lo and behold but what happened? Mm. The, the thing, you know, I think there's a, there's a positive and negative to it. You mentioned subscriptions um, a minute ago. Now I've had my own um, sort of resistance to it. I've bought um 
uh, you, know, you know, I don't want to mention the brand, but they, they do, um, you, you buy a CD and basically you can do music editing, you can do video editing, you can do any sort of editing, graphic design, that sort of thing. Um, and they changed their business model from when you originally owned a CD and you had the program, you owned it, that was it, to now having to pay yearly or monthly uh, to keep that system going. So what was a one-time purchase and you could use it has now become a monthly or yearly subscription where they're bleeding you forever. And that I don't agree with, uh, uh, you know, another another provider of um, spreadsheet programs and that have done the same thing, especially for their business model. And for me, that's a negative. Well, that's true. I, I, take, I take your point there. But on, by the same token, you know, if we apply radio stations, you're thinking to radio stations. You know, 15 years ago, there was no chance of you having uh, Digital Bacon FM, right? Mm. A radio station of your own. We have an opportunity to to create an audience and to deliver value and to appeal to a particular, you know, segment of uh, of the world market that uh, that are interested in the kind of things that you have to say and the things that you have to share and the music that you play. Mm. That was an impossibility at 15 years ago but look here you are you know flying strong sure i suppose that as you said earlier you've you've um, become a publisher of sorts now i know that you have a very big presence on the internet um give, give me give me a, a brief understanding on how the internet works and how you've how you've manipulated it to work for your business well, okay, I wouldn't say manipulation is the way that uh, I've achieved outcomes. What, I, what I've come to understand is that um, people have problems, and uh, when they have problems, they go looking for a solution. Uh, and where they look for a solution now is through the Google search box, right? They look, mm -hmm. look on the Internet. And, uh, and increasingly, people are uh, asking questions of Google. For example, in my niche, immigration in Hong Kong, what's the minimum salary for a Hong Kong employment visa approval? So people will type, what's the minimum salary for a Hong Kong visa approval, employment visa approval? If I produce a piece of content that specifically answers that question, and if I've configured that piece of content uh, on my on the web page, on my website, that is designed to answer that specific question, then um, essentially what I've done is I've created the opportunity for Google, whose mission it is to you know, provide the best possible uh, content to answer, answer questions against, their query, against queries that go into them. If I produce a piece of content that answers that question perfectly, then the chances of me being able to be found when people who have that problem to be solved uh, and type that question into Google, then I'm going to get found. So once they've found me, if I put them on my web, if I've got them on my website, not only have I answered their question, but I've delivered as Seth Godin would have us deliver a remarkable experience, um, then you've got a chance to be remembered. Uh, and if you then factor into uh, you know, that experience all kinds of stuff that come from other ideas from my intellectual heroes, like, as I've said, disaggregating value, reaggregating value, an idea virus, one of my websites called Hong Kong Visa Giza. Hong Kong Visa Giza is designed to for people to remember uh, something that's catchy, that's associated with Hong Kong immigration. There's no reason six or seven months after having visited the hongkongvisageezer.com website they remember my name, Stephen Barnes, but they'll remember Hong Kong Visa Geezer. So they'll then in turn in the future type in Hong Kong Visa Geezer to recall uh, you know, the, um, that, that place on the internet where they're able to get that problem solved previously. Or if they find themselves in a bar some, some months later, 
um, uh, talking to a friend who's got a Hong Kong immigration problem. Again, they won't remember Hong Kong. Uh, they won't remember Stephen Bynes, but they remember Hong Kong visa geezers. So, so that idea virus can be passed off in a bar over to their to their friends and say, "Oh, there's a website that they call Hong Kong Visa Geezer." Uh, other ideas such as social proof making sure that, uh, um, you know, when you're having relationships with people, you're able to collect uh, testimonials and, uh, and other you know, good positive stuff that, uh, that people have said about you in the past and having all of that available on the website. So there's the, the, the manipulating the web is not really manipulating the web. It's just understanding the human dynamics in play and understanding that the internet gives you the ability to to parlay your expertise, to help answer questions, solve problems, deliver a remarkable experience, uh, and 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 all all together command people's attention so that you are the first sort of you know site that they go to on the internet. You're the top of mind when it comes to that particular niche that uh, that, that you operate in. Uh, and, and and again, if you've then delivered uh, uh, value unconditionally and you've done it without any expectation of return, and it's clear that you're not out to pick people's pockets, you just want to help them achieve their objectives and goals. Um, that the, the internet and, uh, and 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 the free software that you can use. I think a third of the website now used uh, a third of the world's websites are now hosted uh, on a piece of technology called WordPress, and that's mm. what we use. It's a completely free um, uh, internet uh, website platform. Um, it costs you nothing. That uh, that just gives you all the tools, cost effectively, to put your uh, presence on the internet, help answer questions, help solve problems, uh, and then create relationships on the back of that. That's that's what it's really all about. It's very simple, all told. 